This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be in God's house today, isn't it? So good to be in God's house. Okay, well, we're starting a new series this week, and it's not Leviticus, so yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk uh, over the next four weeks about what it means to be all in um, in the kingdom of God and in our, in our lives. And uh, we're going to look at four Old Testament characters who really went all in to the things of God. Um, part of the reason we're going to talk about this is because I think we have uh, an overabundance of halfness in our culture. And, and I know this because have you ever, I know you've never done this, but I have before. Um, when you decide that you're going to, your spouse or, or your friend says, let's watch a show together. And then you say, okay, sure. And then you, 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 you troll Netflix for about 2.5 hours because that's how long it takes to find something. You finally agree on something that neither of you has seen. And then you press play. And then what do you do? You scroll the internet. You look at Instagram while you're watching. And then have you ever had the feeling of like you're in the middle of something and you have no clue what's going on in the show at all and you have to be Mr. or Mrs. Annoying Pants and say, what, what, what's happening here? What's going on? And then the person next to you says, I've never seen the show either. I do not know. The idea that we, we, we kind of think, we have this idea in our culture that we think we can do th- multiple things at once. Like, we are excellent multitaskers. Like, some of you, I know it's illegal, but you're multitaskers while you drive. I am also a safety professional in my other life. I am giving you the stink eye right now if you do other things while you drive. Okay. But we have this idea that we can do multiple things at once, but all of psychology tells us now this is untrue. No, you are not able to look at Facebook and do your job too. No, you are not able to do 10 things at once. This is why um, when, when my kids were little and I would take them to the park and you think that you're going to get a break from your kids because slides are good babysitters. They're not. They're not. And you think, I'm just going to look at my phone just for a second just to see what people are doing. And then before you know it, your kid is hanging upside down. They've got gravel in their shoes. They've taken off their clothes. The whole world is telling us we can do things halfway. But the reality is we cannot. We are unable to do it. When when we try to do things halfway, we become disengaged. And it creates problems. Like we get bored. I will often say to Dave, oh, the show that you picked was really boring. And Dave will look at me and say, no, it wasn't boring. It's just that you were trying to text somebody the entire time we were watching the show. That's that's why it was boring. Or, or we get kind of confused, like we can't figure out what the heck is going on in the show. Or uh, we have, this is a weird thing, we kind of have guilt about it, because do you know when you're only doing something halfway? Like, have you ever made a meal where you kind of just did it halfway? And then you put it on the table for your kids, and you know it's terrible. Maybe I'm the only one to experience this. You, then you try to talk up the meal, like it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be really good. The mustard that I just placed all over the fish, it's, it's going to be delicious. <laughs> You're eating it, kids, no matter what, you are eating it. Or we just don't feel fulfilled. fulfilled. I, I want to suggest this morning, before we start the series, that some of us feel unfulfilled, bored, confused, because in our Christian walk, because we're actually not all in. We're trying to do 10 things at once, And then we come to church on Sunday and we think, I'll just patch it all up by coming for 1.5 hours. Like if Jess really preaches for a very long time, this could maybe be out to two hours. But we're really, if we're honest, we're halfway in. And we assuage our guilt. So so we do Christian-like things to assuage our guilt. We're actually not all in, though. And and what I want to talk about in these next four weeks is what would it look like If we all said, no, no, I'm not going to just half-watch this as like a half-watched movie, a half-baked movie. I'm going to go all into the things of God. Like my whole life is going to be about this. And I want to just suggest, just as an experiment, what if we all decided for the next four to six weeks, 
Just like, for, like, just give me four to six weeks. I know you maybe can't go forever, but let's try four to six weeks to begin with. What would it look like if we all did that for four to six weeks? Like, I wonder, I, I wonder, what, our, I wonder what our lives would look like. I wonder what our church, what would our church look like if we all decided we're going to go all in on this, all together? Whoa. And uh, I want to explain to you why I believe this is a really strategic time in the life of our church, not dissimilar to the four characters that we're going to look at over the next four weeks. Um, And so throughout the series, I want to paint a picture a little bit of where we've been and where we're going. I, I recognize this, and all of my colleagues, after we talk about this, like churches are completely different. If you've been coming for six months, congratulations, you're an OG. You've been here since the beginning. Not, not really. I know that there are some of you that have been here for like 20 years, and that's wonderful. But, but truthfully, uh, churches everywhere are new. And f- so this is a time that we decide what kind of a church we're going to become. What kind of a community are we deciding to be? And I will, I will lay my cards up right up front. Um, so because there's lots of new of us, there's many of you that have just been coming for a season, and you're just checking it out, and I totally get that. You've got to decide if this is the place that you're going to lean into. Uh, but truthfully, I, I know that for um, lots of us here, about 50% of us are absolutely generous, generous with our time, generous with our, all of our gifts, and then about 50% of us are not quite sure. And uh, I understand that, but, but I am, am going to call all of us to lean in in a new way. Um, you know... Um, this is a difficult thing for a pastor to talk about because I am going to have to talk about money in this series. I know, and some of you are like, and I brought my friend today. The worst day ever to bring my friend. I'm so stressed. If you brought a friend today, just lean over to them and say, she doesn't usually talk about this. Um, and a, a lot of people will say, well, like, why do churches have to talk about money? But did you know this, that Jesus talked about money, more, money more than he did heaven and hell combined? You take all the passages, Jesus talked about heaven and hell, and he did talk about heaven and hell a lot. Uh, but if you take all those passages, he talked about money more than those. Why? Because money is the currency of our lives. If God doesn't have your wallet, God doesn't have your heart. That's just true. That's not because I want your money. That's just because it, what, we, what we often have is not a financial problem, it's a spiritual problem, it's a discipleship problem. Um, many people object to pastors talking about money um, because how they spend their money often indicates where they are in their walk with Jesus. Okay, so now here's the thing. Rarely does a generous person object to people talking about money. Why? Because they're generous. They don't ever have to worry about that. It's those of us, and listen, I'm, I'm speaking right to myself here too. Uh, I, I have control issues. <laughs> I know that's shocking for some of you. And money uh, in the real world designates control, right? Like when you have a bank account that has money in it, you feel more in control. I've never met anybody that's like, you know what, I feel really great about the fact that I'm in overdraft all the time. Some of you don't even know what overdraft is. Um, so but money is about control. And the great question of every Christian's life is this. Who has control of your life? You or Jesus? And this is why Jesus was not afraid to talk about money. So yes, we are going to talk about money in this series. Um, but I will tell you this. If money is a problem for you, if you, like, if you like are right away feeling like that tight-chestedness, like, and you want to lean over to your wife or husband and say, see, I told you I never wanted to go to church, and now we're here. That's you. I, I want to say this to you. I would rather you, I, I'm not asking for you to give here. If, if you can't, if you can't give, I, I'm just asking that you'd give somewhere. Uh, if, if, if it feels like, I, I don't know if I can trust the church. I would rather you begin to trust Jesus. I pray that someday you'll be able to trust the church. But I'd rather you get revelation on this and that you would be able to trust Jesus in this more than anything. So yes, we're going to talk about money, but we're going to talk about other things as well, because money is just an indication of the rest of our life. Um, and I, I've been challenging some of our leadership about this as well. 
because here's what I know. When you're all in with the mission of God, all the resources we need to do, what God is telling us to do, will be there. And um, we're going to have several omrants. I'm going to talk very practically about some things. But um, today we're going to look at the story of Abraham. I love this story in the Old Testament because I think it really typifies what it means to live all in for God. What does it mean to be blessed by God? Let's read it. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 4. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Hey, now this is an interesting story because it sounds like God has just picked Abraham out of nowhere. Uh, Abraham comes from the line of Shem. Okay, so in Genesis, at the beginning of the book of Genesis, uh, all the people on earth go insane. And God says, nope, I'm not having it anymore. I'm picking Noah and his kids, and they're the only ones that are going to be saved, and there's going to be a big flood, et cetera, et cetera. So Abraham comes from that line. Abraham's father's name is Terah. Now, when we read that in English, we just think, okay, whatever. He had a lady's name, and his name was Terah. But in fact, um, biblical uh, people that would have read that in the Old Testament, and it was an oral culture, so you would have heard that Abraham's father's name was Terah. Terah meant moon, and in that point in time, moon uh, was a metaphor that people, that Hebraic people used to say, basically it's all over. Everything is done. So Abraham's father's name was Terah. Now, at this point in time, the flood has happened, and then repopulation of the earth has happened. And the people are going back to the ways they were before Noah. And it would seem, this guy's name is Terah, he has a kid named Abraham who's like now old and doesn't have any kids, things are not going well. It would seem like it's the end of the road. And in Genesis chapter 12, God says, I am going to write a different story. I'm going to bless you, Abram. But God lays out some things that Abram must do. The promise of blessing was an explicit promise of the coming Messiah. Genesis chapter 12 is the beginning where God says, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. And and there is explicit uh, promise of the Messiah. Through Abraham's descendants, God would send a Messiah that would bless all the families on earth. And there were a few things that were required of Abraham to um, experience this blessing. I want to suggest that some of the things that God called Abram to, he has called all of his people to. Uh, the, first, the first thing, if we're going to be all in with God, and what Abram decides is that he is going to be all in with God, and it actually doesn't signify the end of the road for Abram. It signifies like a new and beautiful thing that God's doing. The first thing, though, that Abram must do is this. Following God means venturing into the unknown. Listen, if we are going to be all in with God, It means that we have to be willing to go where we don't always know. So Abram, God says to Abram, he's wealthy at this point, and God says, you're going to leave this land, and you're going to to go into an unknown land. And uh, I mean, this is a hard, Abraham has no kids. He's like almost 100. And God says, you're going to go to a new land. And and Abram, like any normal person, says, where? God says, I'll show you. Okay. And then God says to Abraham, I'll give you, Abram, I'll give you a son. And Abram says, how? <laughs> and God says, I'll take care of that. Just follow me. And later in his life, God will say to Abraham, go up to the top of the mountain and sacrifice your son. And Abram will have to ask why. And God answers, I'll show you that later. Just climb. At every step of the way, Abraham had to follow God into the unknown. And this is wonderful for the 0.2% of us that really love unknown things. (laughs) Like those of you that like to spelunk and go into caves where there could be monsters. Maybe maybe you look at this point and you go, wonder. I can't wait to do that. But for the other 99.98% of us, this sounds horrible. That we have to say to God, God, I will go with you where I have never gone before. I will do what you've asked me to do. 
And over and over again in the scripture, we're gonna see this in this series, God just continually asks people to trust him. In fact, a picture of our walk with God is sort of like God saying, take my hand and I'm gonna lead you. And us going, okay. John Calvin summarized God's interaction with Abraham this way. He said, just close your eyes and take my hand. Have you ever done that with somebody before? Have you ever gone to one of you? Like some of you are in workplaces where they do um, employee engagement. (laughs) In the 90s, they did this more where people would do those fall-down exercises, and somehow that was supposed to bring you together as a company. I don't really know what that was about. But anyway, somebody got millions of dollars from that exercise. (laughs) Uh, But in a lot of ways, this is the kind of life that God asks us to go with him, to trust him. Being a Christian isn't saying a magic Jesus prayer, by the way. I mean, we do pray prayer, but being a Christian means we actually trust God. Saying yes to Jesus means saying, yes, God, I'll trust you wherever you ask me to do, whatever you ask me to do. I see many people unwilling to do this. They want to know this. Well, God, if I surrender this to you, will this, like, We want to know what the trade-off is. Uh, Where are you going to make me go? I think I used to, like some of you, is it going to mean that I'm going to have to go be a missionary where there's no running water? Please, no, God, please. Will I have to break up with my boyfriend or girlfriend? Do I have to be poor? And God, I, I, I don't understand this or know this. And am I going to have to become one of those annoying people that just have to always say something at all times? And God just says this to us, close your eyes and take my hand. This is the call of God to all of us. I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you to turn off your mind. I'm not saying that as Christians we turn off our brains and we just say like, like zombies. But I am saying the time comes where we say, God, I will trust you with everything that I have. I'm going to give all of me to you. And if that means I have to make difficult decisions, it means that I have to make difficult decisions. And then the uh, second thing we learn through Abraham is that God's calling and commissioning into mission, uh, into mission are sim- simultaneous. Okay, so like here's what's weird. We often think like I'm going to give my life to Jesus and then maybe like once I get a little bit stronger, more stable, <laughs> or like once I've learned a little bit more of the Bible, then I can do something for the kingdom of God. Except for that's not biblical. Because when God calls people, he always commissions them to do something for the kingdom. You are not just called to occupy a chair in a church. I'm so thankful you're here. But you are not called to occupy a, a chair. You're called and commissioned to do something for the kingdom of God. And our job is to come into alignment as Christians with what God's calling us to do and what we are doing. That's our job. Every, every day to get up and say, God, may I, can I be in alignment with what you've called me to? So God just didn't say to Abram, so Abram, I'm calling you. I really like you. Pretty good. If you could try to do some worshiping time with, for me or a quiet time. No. He called him and he commissioned him right away. You're going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you. You've got to get up and move now. All of us were called to be getting up and moving in some direction. Now, I understand there are seasons of Sabbath where God calls you just to rest, and, but that's a specific season that God calls us into. I'm going to tell you that that doesn't last a lifetime. When God, um, and, and, and over and over in the Bible we see this, when God called Moses into the desert, he also called him on mission He appears to Moses at the burning bush and says, you belong to me, Moses, and I've got a message for you to give to Pharaoh. When Jesus called Peter to be his disciple, he does by telling him to cast his net on the other side of the boat. And having filled up that other side of the net, Jesus says to Peter, you're called to be a fisher of men. Over and over again, when when God appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, he said, Paul, you're going to be called to reach the Gentile people. So if God has called you, God has also commissioned you. He has a job for you. 
to do. He has a purpose for you. You are not just meant to occupy space and be a slightly nicer person than the average Canadian. (laughs) Slightly nicer is not what God has called us to be. He's called us to get on mission with him, to do something for the kingdom of God. um, God's call on your life is to to put you on mission. I heard it said this way, that God's call is sort of like a spiritual tornado. Uh, He never pulls you in without hurling you out. (laughs) I had to really think about that a little bit. I read it and I thought, I'm not sure if I agree with that. But then I thought to the scriptures and thought, yeah, that's kind of true. He, he never calls you just to be like, and now you're going to be a precious treasure for me. It's also creepy, and God is not creepy. He is a God that calls you, that has called you to something. Not to just, part of the reason, though, we are stagnant, part of the reason we get bored spiritually is because we're just waiting. And so then we get preoccupied doing other things. What does it mean to be a human that has been called by God? God doesn't just love you. He's called you, and he does love you. That's why he called you. Jesus said in John chapter 15, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Hear that today. You did not choose me, but I chose you that you would go forth and bring that you would go and bring forth fruit and by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit the fruit of our lives like how our character is being formed is part of what god has called us to god chose you to make you a blessing an eternal blessing to somebody and the good news is this some of us we just don't feel like we have much to offer you don't, you feel like, like if Jesus could only like just basically barely save me, I'm that bad. If I could just get to heaven by the skin of my teeth, good enough. No, 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 no. I chose you before you chose me. I like, the Bible tells us over and over again, you were chosen while you were in your mother's womb. It's not like because you've tried out for a part and now you've auditioned and God goes, you get the part. We chose you before you did anything. And so we, so listen, some, some of us are a little bit like um, we've been sideline dwellers because we aren't sure that anybody has really picked us. It's easy to get sideline dwelling because inertia is a real thing. Like you, you have no momentum, <laughs> then it's hard to get, do you know this? This is very true in our beds in the morning. All of us have trouble getting inertia, getting out. You have trouble getting in. Once you're in movement, though, it's hard to, like, stop. I want to call us to movement in the kingdom of God. God's calling to you is his commissioning to you. Third thing we find, this is true of Abraham, true of us. We're blessed to be a blessing. Um, I want you to ask yourself, how do you see the blessings in your life? Do you see yourself as a reservoir or a channel? So a reservoir keeps all the water in. A channel sends the water out. Oh, I heard about a guy who was a multimillionaire and he started a ministry where he would give all of his money away to help other ministries get started. And um, someone asked him what his ultimate goal in life was and he said, my goal is to bounce my last check. All the accountants, I know I've given you like heart palpitations right now. He's a millionaire trying to go broke. And he just keeps writing checks because he understands this, that his life is a reservoir, that everything he has belongs to, is a channel, not a reservoir. Everything he has belongs to God. If you're a reservoir, you keep everything to yourself. But you run the risk of everything going stagnant. If you're a channel, though, because you believe you've been loved by God, you'll show love by loving other people. If you're a channel and you've been given money, you'll share your money. If you're a channel and you've been given wisdom, you'll share your wisdom. And if you've got, been given a talent or a skill or an ability, you'll share your insight and your ability. So Abram learned that his whole life was about being a blessing. And the question for us is, is our whole life about being a blessing? Oh, I, I got to be honest with you. There are times in my life I 
I got to come back to the scripture over and over again because it's easy. It's so easy to make it not about other people. It's easy to say funny things like, I have, been, I have been giving my whole life for the last 45 years to other people, and now it's me time, baby. It's like, it's easy to live like that, and it's easy to make a case for that, because we can all wah-wah-bobo parts of our life. Like, you don't know it's been really difficult for me. I've been giving of myself till I was burnt out, and I'm done with that now. Now it's about me. And you can make a case to somebody about that. And you know what most people will say to you? You're right. Because humans, we are not good sometimes for each other. We allow each other to be dysfunctional with each other, yes? Because we just want to be nice. So we just say, yeah, that makes sense. I really hear you. Praise God that you're taking care of yourself right now. Well, this is never scripture. Like, like get this. Abram is like near 100. Abram could have just gone, nah, this is not for me. I am old. I do not want to turn the Marvin Gaye on. I do not want to raise a child. No, that ship has sailed. You should have told me that a long time ago, God. I, I just wonder why there would, we don't get any of this in scripture, but it's a good thing it wasn't me because I would have been very worried about this. I do not have the energy to raise, I don't have the energy to raise a two-year-old now. I like to hold your babies. I like to give them back to you. I like to pray for you. I don't want to chase them. I, um, and I'm not a hundred, but like, centurions like those of you that have retired for some years now imagine (laughs) oh i could go into bad places right now but the thing is abram could have just said no we're not doing that we're no you know in the kingdom of god though we don't get to say i've done enough i i have been the backbone of this church for 25 years i have done enough that's not scriptural There is a reason God called Abram at the age he did. So that we could not say that this is just a young person's gospel. It is not a gospel for young people. I mean, it is. But not just exclusively. I'm so thankful that we got young people that are on fire for God and that are going to go and light up the world for the things of God. But but men and women who are not young anymore, those of us that are middle-aged and riding the wave of later, God is not finished with us yet. He has called us to be a blessing that will change the world still. If you've got breath, you're called to be a blessing. And if you're young in this place, you start getting your life so that that becoming a channel just becomes natural for you. Moms and dads of little kids, I know you don't have, it feels like you don't have margin right now. But if you decide to be a reservoir when your kids are zero to to seven or eight, you're training your children to be a reservoir too instead of a channel. And and the the question, if if they don't see you actually giving up your life, laying down yourself, they'll never do that themselves. And then, then, then we ask questions. Why don't my kids serve Jesus? Why do my kids, I don't, I don't understand. I, so we, we have to learn that our entirety, uh, the entirety of our life, from birth all the way till Jesus takes us home, is a calling for us to be a, a, a channel of blessing to people. And we bless people, listen, we bless people through our, our talents and gifts and resources we absolutely do. And we bless people through our finances and resources. We are the richest people in the world. We are the top 1% in the world. It is not good enough for us to go, you know what? I'm really sick of churches talking about finances. That doesn't even make sense. We have been blessed to be a blessing in every part of our lives. What would it look like for us to die broke because we've given all of ourselves, all of ourselves to the kingdom of God? Okay, the fourth thing we, we have to do and we see from the scriptures is that we've got to learn to trust God and make his kingdom our delight. So God, when he called Abram in Genesis chapter 12, he was not calling um, Abram to add a few tweaks to his morality. God called Abram to a whole new basis of life. No longer would he find his security in how much he possessed or how able he was to provide his, for himself because we do understand this that Abraham was really wealthy when God called him. Now, God didn't take that away from him, but he did call him to risk it all for the kingdom. No longer would he spend his life building his own little kingdom. 
He left that to seek the building of God's. Following God means not just adding a little of God to our lives. It means making God your trust for the future and his kingdom your delight. And all of us have a set of things that we depend on for security and we look to, and it's not, it's not always money. Sometimes we really depend on our family. We really look to our family. We really look to our job. We, like, we, we just have, all of us have something different that we look to. For some of us, and, and they're, by the way, they're usually good things. So it's like maybe succeeding in your career, having enough money to make sure that you can get whatever you need or want. Some of you live for your hobbies. Um, that's why you spend so much time and money on them. For, for students, some of you, it's getting into the school that you want to get into or getting the grades that procure you the right job. For some of us, it's um, the security is getting married and starting a family because that's what we've always wanted to do. But following God means letting go of all of these things as our primary treasure and security and making God both the source and the delight for all of them. <sighs> What's hard about this is that it's really easy to preach. It's so hard to live. Say to God, like, all of these things that I put my trust in, and you have the things that you put your trust in, I have the things that I put my trust in, pale in comparison to you, God. And how do you actually go about doing this? All week long, I just had this like real, like, a, like I've been praying that God would bring us revelation on this, that all of the things that we hold tight to, the thing that calms you, do, do you know when you get into a spiral, and all of a spiral for different reasons, but we all do it, so just don't feel bad. What is the thing that calms you when you spiral? That will tell you what your security is. So some of us, we start spiraling for whatever reason we think, but at least my bank account. Uh, or some of us think uh, we start spiraling and nothing's working and it feels, but at least my, what is your but at least? The scripture, I would suggest, calls us to say, but at least my God. And some of us, uh, we have to practice getting there because you've got a default, you've got a neural pathway that's like very well developed. You grew up in a family where maybe your parents said to you, but at least you have your brain. But at least you are smart. But at least you've got a nice family. And those neural pathways are really, really well developed. And they're not bad things. So like it's often the enemy will use things that are not bad. We need to retrain ourselves to think, but at least my God. But it, like everything is out of control right now. Nothing is working, but at least I have a God. But at least I've given everything that I am, every, every bit of me to my God. And you just need to say that to yourself a thousand times a day. But at least my God. Fifth thing we learn is that to become a blessing, we have to believe the impossible. So Abram had to believe what he couldn't understand and what seemed impossible then to act on. He had to believe that God would keep his word. He had to close his eyes and take God's hand. And somewhere along the way, he had to splash on some cologne and become a hundred-year-old dad. For you to follow God, you have to believe that he can save you, that he will use your life for blessing, that there are answers to your questions. Now, I, I want to apply this to us but I, w I want us just to look at another place where Abram, uh, Abraham was tested on this, and then we'll draw some conclusions for us. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, 1 to 18. We're just going to read a couple of verses. It says, after these things, so Abram had to run. He had to leave his dad, to leave the end of the road. He had to move. After these things, God tested Abraham. Which is wild, because you think, didn't he have enough of a test? He is 100, chasing around a toddler. Good enough? No. This is the thing about our God. He is not, he is, wherever you are right now, whatever you've gone through with him, he's not done with you yet. He still has more things for you, oh, which is great and hard. We all want the back, we want the back end of it. Like, we want to be able to say, we climbed the mountain. None of us want to actually climb the mountain, though. We just want to take the picture at the top of it and paste it to our Instagram account. Say, here I am. 
after these things, God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, he said, and Abraham said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, I realize this raises some questions as to why God would ask something of this, but you have to consider how momentous this is for Abraham. In those days, having a son was everything, everything. Sons provided for you in your old age, which is ironic because he is old. And they continued your family name. Plus, for Abraham, this was the child of promise, the only son that God had given him, the only way that God would fulfill his promise to them. This is what they'd left everything for. All their hopes and dreams and affections center upon Isaac. And God says to him, lay him down on my altar. Abraham's life is a picture of what it means to be all in. Abraham's life is this picture of continually laying it all down. So maybe in 1987, you laid everything down for the kingdom of God. Could it be that that was your Genesis 12 moment and now you're in Genesis chapter 22 and God says to you, again, you're gonna lay it all, again, you're gonna lay it, because we're humans. And you know, humans, we aren't very good at just learning something once. We've got to learn it one, two, 76, 93, 1,300 times. Some of us have said, I, I laid it all down, God, and it's not really working out. Could it be that it's because you picked it all back up again? Like at one point, you were willing to lay it all down for God. And maybe now, here, you've picked up a whole bunch of things and you're trying to control it all again and you haven't given it all to God. Okay, so let me ask you some questions about your life. If you're taking notes, these would be important questions to write down and ask yourself. Is God your primary treasure and trust? Is he your primary treasure and trust? You know how you can tell? You can tell when he has full authority to tell you what to do with everything in your life. When you're willing to say, like, I don't know if you've ever had moments like this, but I have. We're like, I'm going to have a quiet time with the Lord, and I'm going to ask him what, but I don't really want to ask him. Have you ever had one of these moments? Because you're worried that if you ask him, that he will ask you to do something that's hard, and you don't want to do something that's hard. So basically what you do is you say, I'm going to have a quiet time. You sing a loud worship song and just hope that the quiet voice will go away. How we know that he is our primary treasure and trust is we're willing to give up anything for the kingdom of God. So you don't really like kids, but you hear God saying, go help Pastor Heather in the kids department. And you think, no, that definitely is the devil. I do not want to do that. <laughs> or like, uh, like money is hard, and you hear God saying, you better start tithing. And you think, nope, not doing that. That's Old Testament. We're going to talk about that next week. Um, I ain't giving, no, I'm not doing that. How you know you've given authority to God is the area, like things don't become uncomfortable anymore because all of it is God's. All of your life is God's. And God says to you, you're working 90 hours a week. That's too much. You need to work less, okay? When you're willing to hear what the Lord is speaking to you in his word, in your quiet time. This is how you know you've given. Uh, have you come to a point where God can have it all? You can lay it all at his feet. Where your life is a blank check to God. Oh, that's frightening. Woo! All of your life. Where God can say anything to you and you'd say yes. That's how you know you're all in. Like uh, up until that point, you're, you're dabbling. You got your toes on the edge of the water. It's like a sort of God's asking you to give up a relationship. You can say, yes, God, okay. Uh, let me be clear about this. If you're not at this position, you're not yet a disciple of Jesus. The call of the gospel is not just like try to be nice and come to church every once in a while. The call of the gospel is to take up your cross and follow me. And this will cost us something. Okay, the second question we've got to ask ourselves is, are you pursuing or am I pursuing an earthly kingdom or a heavenly one? What are your resources and your talents being used to build? 
I, please understand this. I'm not saying everybody needs to go into full-time ministry at all. God gave you talents and skills and business for a reason. But is your primary pursuit in those things glorifying God and leveraging what you have for his purposes? That's the question. All of our lives as Christians must leverage what we have for the kingdom of God. Are you leveraging the money or the resources God's given you primarily for his kingdom or for yours? Uh, I, I can't tell you, after 25 years of ministry, I can't tell you the number of people who spend the majority of their lives saving up for retirement only to find at retirement that everything gets taken. Like, that can't be our primary goal. I'm not saying don't retire. I'm not saying don't go on nice vacations. I'm saying all those things. Do that. But it cannot be our primary goal. Our primary goal must be to glorify God with all of our lives. If we're spending 50 years of our life to try to spend 20 years on vacation, can we see that that makes, like, it, that makes no sense? At some point, we're all going to die. You cannot take a U-Haul with you. So what are you doing in your life that you're sending forward? What, what in your life are you sending ahead of yourself? I think we're in a moment similar to Abraham. I think many of us are in a moment similar to Abraham. We've been chosen for bless, to bless others. God has given us a great name in our community. Listen, it's, it's really fun to see that when you lean into the things of God that all of a sudden you get favor with people. This is what happened to Abraham. The city is like, loves us. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, some of this is aspirational, but in some ways we did this uh, warming center not knowing what it would cost us, and it cost us lots. Pastor Dave talked last week about how, you know, <laughs> he didn't really expect to have $20,000 in toilet expenses. Uh, Gwen didn't expect to have many of the gagging incidences she had over the last four months. But when you do these things, listen, when you lean in, favor comes. And this is why God says, I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I'll bring favor to you. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. Um, and and um, when we talk about having a great name in our community, we're not talking about uh, being famous, but a great name like an instrument in blessing. This is the kind of community we want to be. I, I believe that in some ways we're standing in a kairos moment. Kairos is a Greek word, and it's an ancient word that means the right or the opportune moment. And in the New Testament, uh, kairos meant the appointed time and the purpose of God. I believe we are standing in the appointed time of the purpose of God, the time when he acts. Let me just give you a little bit of insight. Maybe you're new and you don't know the story of our church. So as a church, we came into existence four and a half years ago. We're going to celebrate our fifth anniversary uh, the first week in November this year. It's going to be really exciting. And uh, of those four years, we all, I don't need to bring attention to the fact that it seems like a decade of those four years were stuck in COVID. Um, so we're at, like a really new church in many, many ways. Now I know Northwest Family Church had a great history. Church in the Hills had a great history. But as a church together, we're new. We're like a church plant in a lot of ways. Um, when we began, both of our churches had budgets well under a million dollars. We understood, however, that if we were going to make inroads into our community, we needed to offer ministries that mattered. So like it wasn't enough for us just to come together and say we're going to have a 1.5 hour service. I, I, when, we, when we got this, when we came to this building, the Lord just spoke to me. I had been speaking to me uh, uh, for some time about a theology of land that we actually had to um, lean into the land that God had given us and use it for the kingdom of God. I didn't know how that was going to happen. Then COVID happened and we couldn't even come to the land. When I would come in here, I would like sneak in like a clandestine like ninja. So that was a very weird time in history. Can we just say, I parked at the back so that no one would see my car. I don't know why. Like, what was I hiding from? I don't know. Anyways, you can pray for me. And then over this last year, God has begun to give us vision for what it would mean to actually use the land he's given to us. What would it mean to bring transformation to a city using the land, using the actual building he's given us? And so we got all kinds of plans right now to make a kitchen so that new immigrants can come and we can feed them, so that we can teach single moms how to cook for two, so that we can uh, host things in ways that we have never been able to do. Um, 
so we got to work creating programs and outreaches that would make a difference. Um, Barb and Cam and Kelly started the table for university students. Did you know that neither of our churches, by the way, historically, neither of our churches had tons of young adults in them. That is not true now. Uh, partly that's because the people of God said, yes, I'm going to use my talents. Uh, Cam makes the best food of all time. And if you wish you were a university student, Cam and Barb make... Um, and we now have, I, I don't know, 65 were at the last one, 65, between 65 and 70. It's amazing. And many of them don't even know Jesus yet. They're not people that know the Lord, but we, we're believing that the kindness of God is going to lead people to repentance. Um, uh, we doubled down on our efforts to create small groups, which is why Small Group Sunday today. I, I, I'm believing that every person in our church is going to be, because being in a community matters. It matters to have people that see you, that know when you are ill or when you are sick or get around you when you have like joy-filled things happening in your life. Celebrate with you. It matters. Um, we reinvigorated and put resources behind our tweens and youth programs. And um, Friday night was a wild night here. There was lots of kids. It's amazing. We had all these kids. Listen, all these bakering things, baking things outside, this is a result of youth and youth parents, I know, thank you parents, I know you were cooking all week. Young men, I know that you made a lot of things too. Um, but, but it is a sign of health and growth. Uh, when we have junior high and tweens here on a Friday night, it's bizarre, it's bananas here on a Friday night, very bananas. And that's a really good sign of health and growth. Some of you have to park far away. We had to buy park far away signs. I'm sorry. At least it's warm now. We put resources into, into our ability to meet people through online technology. It's why today we can speak to our online. And it, it may, some of you have been sick before or not been able to come to church for whatever reason, and you're able to connect with us online. And that's been amazing. Um, we opened up our building to people on the margins and developed a warming center and are now asking the Lord, how do we expand that? How do we actually uh, get more pointed? And maybe some of you don't know this, but most of our staff, most, like 90% of our staff work for part-time pay or they volunteer. So some of you have come to our newcomers lunches before and you've gone, wow, this church has a lot of staff. Like, clearly they are. Most of our staff work for like less than they would make if they worked at Walmart and they're not getting that many shifts. They're doing a lot of free bagging. Um, and I, I am so grateful Listen, this, this church, I, I've worked in lots of churches. I've worked in mega churches. I've worked in church plants. I've worked in, I've never worked with more committed staff who are committed to seeing the kingdom of God go forward. Yeah, I think we can give it up. Yes. And uh, the thing is, we, we don't want to make that like a... Um, like, hooray, we pay our staff really bad, and they still work here. Yeah, let's carry on. Olivia and, and Logan, I hope you're really happy as you get married, making $3. <laughs> Woo! I hope you all are giving them good Christmas, I mean, good wedding presents. See? Don't say I don't care about you. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we actually, though, like, we don't want to be that community, right? Correct? I don't think any of us would be like, yeah, you know what? We're a cheapskate community. Yes! Uh, we want to grow for, okay, so, so like, like very practically, let me share with you this. Our, our budget used to be about $13,000 a week. That keeps the lights on. That like helps us do ministry. We've now increased that to $20,000 a week, and that's because ministry has increased, because we're doing more things, because you know what? To feed university students a decent meal takes more than three. You know this. You go to the grocery store with two little bags, that'll be $75.93. You bought grapes. That's, you, <laughs> You brought a $25 watermelon last week. <laughs> oh, everything's gotten more expensive. So, so, like, this means that, like, to be all in in God's kingdom, we can't just go, yes, I belong to a really great church. Everybody's really friendly there. Hooray. Things are really, yeah, but that takes money to make that work, yes? Do you understand this? I'm not speaking nonsense. This is not like me being a prosperity preacher saying I would like to wear golden, I have a $12 Amazon necklace on, okay? I'm not trying to get, this, this is about us making a difference in the kingdom. 
because people need to hear the name of Jesus. Do you know that we have enough people to make this happen, though? It, it, it only means that 75 of us just say, you know what, I'm going to tithe. I'm just going to give, I'm going to trust God in the unknown. For some of you, this is the unknown, because you, you actually, like, have never gone there before. You thought maybe, I, and I'm sharing with you these numbers, because I, I need you to understand that it doesn't just take five bucks to make things happen. I wish it did. We all wish it. Don't you wish? I mean, I remember being five years old thinking, why do we have money anyways? And I was becoming a communist at that moment in time. I mean, I wish it was all free. It's not, though. It takes 75 of us to say, I'm all in. Because my whole life, my whole stinking life, every part of it from birth to death is about the kingdom of God. And I might have a job, and I'm given my gifts and my talents and all of that, but all of it is to the glory of God. This is not about money. It's about trust. It's about trust. Will I trust God? Okay, so here are three questions that I I have been asking myself, and I, I want you to ask them too. Is the life you're living, is what you're living for worth dying for? Is what you are currently living for, like Monday all the way to Sunday, is what you are living for worth dying for? The convictions you hold, the way that you're living. If all of your life, if we had a big screen here and we went through your life, we talked about all the ways that you're doing, all the things that you're doing, is the life that you're living worth dying for? I think that's the, kind, that's the all-in God's called us to. This is what makes Christians different. We go all-in for the things of God. Let me ask this question. Is what you're doing with your life worthy of the magnitude of his sacrifice? So a couple weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, that Jesus gave his very life for us. Is what I'm living for worth the magnitude of his sacrifice? And the truth is, for all of us, we got to keep coming back to this question because sometimes on Monday, I'm going to tell you on Mondays, I'm not always, the life I'm living doesn't always. So I got to keep realigning myself. Again, it's this constant realignment saying, God, I, w- I want my life to be aligned with yours. I know that you've chosen me, that you've called me, that you've commissioned me. Finally, this, does the scale of your dreams match the scale of his sufferings? I had to think about this one a lot this week. Does the scale of my dreams match the scale of his sufferings? What are your dreams for your life? Some of us gave up. We just, we just have said this to ourselves. I'm just like pretty content. Like if I can just get through my mortgage payment, if I can just get through this variable mortgage section, it'll be good. Scale of your sufferings. Do, 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 do your dreams match the scale of his sufferings? Meaning, think about Abraham, almost 100 years old, having a kid. What are you dreaming for? What are you dreaming for, young man? What are you dreaming for, old, older man? We, we cannot afford, as the people of God, to just go whatever. We, we must be all in. Because the love of our God demands it. The scale of his sufferings demand it. And there is a world out there that requires, that requires that we say all of me, Jesus, to all of you. Do you know the primary purpose of us giving, so giving of our lives, giving of our money, giving of our resources, is not that God would get money out of our pockets or like that he would take your energy away from you but that he would get idols out of our hearts. This is, this is what giving all is about, that we all have idols that we have, and, and God, God gets them out of us by asking us. He, give, he asks us to give not because he needs our money. God does not need your money. He needs your heart. Your heart. Let me just land this plane. I want to invite you today couple of things. I want to invite you, listen, if you're here and you've never made a decision for Jesus, I want to invite you to go all in for him. The thing about Abraham that is true for you, uh, that is true for you and I, is that God said, if you go all in for me, I will make you a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. This is true of Abraham and it is true of you. The, The New Testament is very clear. It says that we are children of Abraham, that all the promises that God gave to Abraham are yours. 
It's an amazing thing that when we go all in for God, it is not easy. It, it, grace is free, but it's not easy because it requires that we say, God, I'm going to trust you with everything that I am. And maybe you're here and you've never gone all in. Maybe you've never said, yes, Jesus, I'm going to give you all my life. Maybe you've said, yes, I'll come to church every once in a while. Or, but you've never said, yes, I want to invite you today to go all in for the kingdom of God. And then I, I, I want to encourage all of us to think about where we're all in. So for some of us, uh, you're going to say, I'm all in today. I'm giving my life to Jesus. For some of you, you're going to say, I'm all in today. I'm, I'm going to get baptized. Now, now listen, baptism doesn't make you saved. You're, you're saved when you say yes to Jesus. But baptism is this really amazing way of saying, God, everything of me is, is yours. I'm going to make a public declaration of you. Make, this is your week. If you, if you haven't been baptized before, oh, I just don't, don't wait. Don't wait till you like, feel like it's right. Don't worry about being able to swim. You don't need to swim. It's a very real thing for people. Don't worry if you don't like baths. Just say, yes, I'm all in. If you've never been baptized, next week. Don't, don't wait till the next time we do it. Don't think about it. Or it's nothing you, Some things you don't need to pray about. This is one of these things. You don't need to pray about it. God already told us to do it. Just do it and be obedient. Some of us need to say, I'm all in. I'm going to serve. You, you've had a break for a while, and now you need to say, yep, this is my church. These are my people. I'm going to serve. By the way, Pastor Heather needs a lot of help in kids. So if God's whispering that to you, say yes. Say yes. So some of you uh, are going to say, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to tithe. Tithe, by the way, and we're going to talk about this technically next. Tithe is 10% of our income. So if you give 3% of your income, that's not tithing. That's just giving something. It's just giving. And I, I listen, the Lord loves your gifts. And, and next week, we will talk about this, but like some of you say, well, that's an Old Testament concept, Pastor Jess. Clearly, you're theologically a heretic. And that's great. That's great. Because in the New Testament, actually, God calls us to give it all. So like if I'm worried about the 10%, I'd rather go back to the Old Testament and just go, you know what, that's where I'm going to live in the Old Testament, Malachi, yep, 10%. Okay, that was for free. It wasn't in my notes. We, we need 75, listen, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. We need 75 people that will say, yep, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to trust God. Uh, uh, everything we need to be successful in the kingdom of God is already in the house. It's already here. We're not looking for, listen, you think, well, like, I don't make that much money. That doesn't matter. The widow's might. God already told us about that story. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not about the, the size of your gift. It's about the obedience of your heart. Our God has ability to multiply loaves and fishes. He has the ability to find money out of a fish's mouth. I understand that God will provide for our community. He will. But he likes to use us. So if you've never given before, this might be your time to say, yep, God, this is an outward declaration. Students, you're here. I know you make five bucks at Walmart. Start tithing 50% on that. And just saying, God, I'm going to give you all of me. I'm going all in. Because your money is the currency of your life. Some of you, uh, maybe you tithe already. Many of you do. I know that. Maybe some of you need to say, I'm going all in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give, committing to give to Kingdom Partners in 2023. We have a goal of $150,000 this year. That's over and above, like keeping, that's not like keeping the lights on. That's not like paying our staff. That's not running programs. That's like $150,000 that we're going to give, that we're going to give, that we're going to do outward, anything that's outward with. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet just for a moment. There's a prayer that I want us to pray together. You know, often in our circles, we sort of just often pray prayers that just like whatever comes to our mind. And that's good and they're heartfelt. Uh, but I think there's something good about us making a declaration together today that we're going to be all in for the kingdom of God. Uh, and so just, I'm, I'm going to ask that you would, um, it's up on the slide. Yeah, we're going to say it together. I'm going to just count to three and then we'll start. One, two, three. Father God, today I am declaring that I am a person who is all in with you. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. I am leaving no part of my heart hidden from you. I am asking that you would help me trust you with everything in my life. When I stumble, would you gently bring me back to your heart that is merciful and kind? 
God, I know that I will be able to live my best life when I have given everything to you. So help me to do that with everything, my relationships, my job, my family, and my finances. At the end of my life, I am believing that the words spoken over me will be, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to, Abel's going to lead us in a song and then Pastor Dave's going to come. But as we sing this song, would you just ask God, I know we've prayed this prayer, but I'm asking that you would ask God to give you a revelation of what it means to be fully surrendered to him. For for some of you, that's going to look, it's going to look completely different. But I'm asking that you would ask God for that kind of revelation because change only comes to our hearts when we get revelation. So God, I pray that you give your people revelation in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.